we are going to continue our study of what we believe this morning. We find ourselves at, a, at the article of the Baptist Faith and Message on Religious Liberty. And I found that uh, interesting because just last week we talked from, uh, we talked about Memorial Day and we talked about how we enjoy the freedoms, we, we celebrate the freedom this morning to, to worship openly, to gather openly because of those who sacrificed for us. And so as we talk about religious freedom I, uh, or, or re- religious liberty, I want to read you something directly from the Constitution of the United States. It says, Congress shall not make a law or Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, this is the separation of church and state that we hear so much about, but it's always misquoted. It's always misunderstood because the the separation of church and state is about keeping the state out of the church. It isn't about keeping the church out of the state. That isn't to say we can't pray for our government. That isn't to say that that prayers can't be offered before government meetings. That's not what that says. What that says is the state can't establish a religion. We have in our country religious liberty. Are Are there governments in the world that do not? Yes, absolutely. There are several. And are there, are there even state governments within the United States that have severely restricted the exercise of religion? They have. They have. Especially through this COVID crisis, through this pandemic, there has been a lot of states, and, they, and, and those states lost the court battle. They lost the battle, and the judge said the state overreached its authority to limit religious expression, even during the COVID crisis. Uh, At the very beginning of the the crisis, um, March, February, March of last year, um, I received an email from the attorney general, and that showed he he attached an, an opinion that he had written on whether churches had to to follow the lockdowns that were happening all over the country. And, and his, his uh, conclusion was that churches did not have to follow those lockdowns. There was no reason for the church to lock down unless the church decided to lock down. That's what we did. We decided that for everyone's safety, we would not meet in person. But we didn't have to make that decision. We were not... We were not there was no command from the government that we close because the attorney general himself said we didn't have to. So as we talk about religious liberty, I wanted to, to read from First Peter 2, starting in verse 12. It will be up here behind me. First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, 
whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who would do what is evil and praise those who would do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God and honor the emperor. So I'm now going to read the, uh, the, the article from the Baptist Faith and Message on religious liberty. It is Article 17, Religious Liberty. God alone is Lord of the conscience, and he has left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men which are contrary to his word or not contained in it. Church and state should be separate. The state owes to every church protection and full freedom in the pursuit of its spiritual ends. In providing for such freedom, no ecclesiastical group or denomination should be favored by the state more than any other. Civil government being ordained of God, is the, it is the duty of Christians to render loyal obedience thereto in all things not contrary to the revealed will of God. The church should not resort to the civil power to carry on its work. The gospel of Christ contemplates spiritual means alone for the pursuit of its ends. The state has no right to impose penalties for religious opinions of any kind. A free church in a free state is the Christian ideal, and this implies the right of free and unhindered access to God on the part of all men, and the right to form and propagate opinions in the sphere of religion without interference by the civil power. So, so this can you can you click on the logo and it won't go away? Okay, it'll just be this way then. It looks nice though, doesn't it? I want to first talk about the context of First Peter chapter two, because. It's important to the content to consider. Peter writes this. This letter is written somewhere around 60 A.D., the year 60 A.D. Now, this is during the, the, the time of Emperor Nero in Rome. Nero reigned from 54 to 68 A.D. Now, Nero was known for targeting and persecuting Christians. He was known for chasing Christians down. Nero was as ungodly as you get. And so as, as Peter uh, writes this to the Christians of the time, he, he writes this and, and says to these Christians who are being targeted and persecuted by their government that they should submit to the government authorities. So <clears throat> he writes this to a, to a, a people that had it much worse than we do today. We have a, a government that is often unfriendly to our view. It, is, it, it, it violates our view in many ways, but it doesn't target and persecute us like Nero did, the original readers of this letter. The, uh, about 64 AD, there was a, a uh, fire in Rome, and Nero 
blamed the Christians for that fire. Now, what's interesting about that is up to that point, really in Roman history, Jews and Christians were seen as the same people, that it was the same sect, they just, they weren't separated. But once the fire happened, and once they decided they'd find somebody to blame, the Christians, they separated, Jews weren't to blame, only Christians. It's actually the first time in, in Roman history that Jews and Christians were separated. So this is the context within which first, uh, Peter writes this letter and says, obey your government, submit to human institution. And he says, because of the Lord, submit to, because of the Lord. Let me read you, we, we read, uh, uh, starting in verse 12, let me read you verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. See, Peter understands that, that when we are faced with an unfriendly law, an unfriendly government towards our belief system, we have two ways that we will go, and, and, it, and it really starts, the battle starts within us. The first way we, we tend to go is we just, well, it, it doesn't really affect me. Because we want to be happy, and we want to be comfortable, and we want to be, we just want to fit in. And so we don't stand for those things that violate our religious liberty. Because, well, it's, I, I don't want to make too much noise. I just want to fit in. We have to overcome that. And we have to stand for what violates our religious liberty. Now, the other end of this is we react with hostility. We lash out. That's the other side of this. Now, does lashing out honor God? No. It doesn't honor God any more than, than saying nothing. So we have to find this line, and, and, and within ourselves, we have to find this line of standing for our religious liberty without lashing out. We, we tend to lash out because we feel like we've been mistreated. We feel like we, we should be treated better. We forget what happened to our Savior. Our Lord deserved to be treated better, better than any of us do. And look what happened with him. He suffered, so it, it's entirely possible we'll suffer. So we have to find this line between not doing anything because we just want to fit in and not lashing out and reacting with hostility. We have to find the line. And, and generally speaking, when we read the word submit, we, we, sort of, we sort of bristle at that word, don't we? We don't want to submit to government because we actually have a problem with submitting to God. We, this, I keep saying the area that we argue with God the most on is his timing, which is a function of his sovereignty. We want things to happen in our time, and he knows better. And so he has things happening in his time. We argue with his sovereignty. Why? Because we want to be sovereign. Because I want sovereignty over my life. It's hard to admit, but it's the truth. So submitting is hard. But if we submit to God, then we will submit to human authority because God tells us to. You know, these, the, uh, this chapter or this section 
is pretty much mirrored by Paul in Romans 13. In Romans 13, he says the same thing. Submit to human authority because it's placed there by God and it's placed there so that if you do good, you will be praised and if you do evil, be afraid. That's, that's very much what Peter has to say. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about being salt and light and how being salt and light meant that, that we need to ask ourselves that question. Is what I'm about to do being salt and light or am I reacting? Am I lashing out? We need to ask ourselves that question because we are commanded to submit to God and God commands us to submit to human authority as well. And then it says that if we do that, it will silence the ignorance of the foolish. That's a great statement, isn't it? I love that statement. Silence the ignorance of the foolish. The uh, ignorance is just a lack of knowledge. If you're ignorant of something, you just don't have knowledge in it. The Greek tends to also... uh, tends to also say that you lack the capacity to understand it. It's not that you just don't know it. It's that you lack the capacity to understand it. And the fool, in the Bible, the fool is always uh, seen as the one that's with an empty head. Foolish and empty-headed are synonyms. So what this says is that by our good works, by being salt and light, as Jesus said, in our community, we silence the foolish. With these who are empty-headed and who lack knowledge or lack the capacity to understand who we are, we silence them. We render them speechless. A Christian truly following the teachings of Scripture is no threat to our government. It's no threat to our society. The problem is We have a whole lot of people who are using Scripture but doing ungodly things. We need to follow the teachings of Scripture. We need to follow the teachings of Jesus. And then we are no threat to our our government, no threat to our society. And we submit as free people. What's it mean to to submit as free people? We submit by choice. We choose to submit to God, and since God says to submit to government, we do. It's a choice. It's a a free choice. I mentioned earlier, uh, during the the beginning of the pandemic, um, we decided for for a time not to meet in person. Now, we were not commanded to do that. As a matter of fact, I had in my possession the attorney general's opinion on we didn't have to. We decided to. We made a free choice and decided to not meet in person for your safety, for for to be salt and light in the community. What does it show a community when a church doesn't follow what the the government wants done? There, There is certainly an argument for staying open. There was certainly an argument that that we could. But we chose the best way to be salt and light was to not meet for a while. I think it was the right choice. 
And then it says, as God's slaves. Now, as I said earlier, we don't like to think of ourselves as slaves, not even slaves of God. But as a metaphor, it works very well, actually, because we do what God says because God says it. We don't need another reason, do we? If God says it, that finishes it, doesn't it? Now, a few years ago, there was a, a popular bumper sticker. We saw, I saw it around quite a bit that, that said, God said it, I believe it, that finishes it. Good message, but theologically incorrect because God said it, that finishes it. <laughs> Frankly, God does not need your belief in it to make it truth. He says it, it's true. Whether you want to believe it or not, it is true. So theologically, it should just say, God said it, that finishes it. That's how we are. We follow the teachings of God because God said so. So it works that we are slaves of God because as a metaphor, it works very well. We do what our master says because he said it. That's we submit to human government because God said to do, to do that, because we submit to God. And if we trust that God knows best, and if we, if we submit to God, then we must submit to what he says. And he says, submit to human authority. I'll remind you again, when Peter wrote this, he was writing to a group of people who were cowering from a government that was targeting them and persecuting them. So, it's not like this message just, well, it was for back then, not now. No, this is for today. We have a government, it doesn't target us, it doesn't persecute us. It doesn't want to hear from us at all, frankly. It doesn't want to hear what we have to say. We submit to our government because we submit to God. We, we have to be salt and light. We, t we talked from, uh, about what Jesus had to say in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5 of Matthew about being salt and light. How we, we, we in a community are good for a community. We're good for a community because we, are, we bring light to darkness. We... We preserve and protect a community. We are very good for government and for our community. But we first must submit to God and then submit to what God has to say. To be salt and light, we have to first be submitted to God. We tend, as human beings, to start at a rebellion and then be talked out of that. That's, that's really kind of how, uh, if you think about it, that's how you came to Christ, is you started out in rebellion against God and then came to Christ and understood submission to Christ was good and right. We can't start with rebellion against our, our government either. We start with submission to God and then we submit to human authority, our government, we have religious liberty in this country, and we need to use it to meet together. We need to use it to do mission work. 
We need to use it to be salt and light in our community. We have that, this opportunity that Kim was talking about on, on June 19th, right here in our parking lot, to use our religious liberty to show people who Christ is. That's what we need to use our religious liberty for, to show Christ to the world, to, to, to be salt and light in our community, in our culture, in our society, and in our government. Will you commit to being salt and light, to using our religious freedom, our religious liberty, not as a tool, but to use it to, to be salt and light? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. Will you commit to being salt and light in this community, to using our religious liberty to further the kingdom of God. We are in, incredibly blessed to have religious liberty here. We need to use it for that purpose. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for this reminder that it's about being submitted to you and then doing what you say, submitting to human authority. Help us, help us to understand that religious liberty gives us the freedom to expand your kingdom and help us to use it for that purpose. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.